0: good morning welcome to our conclusion of the teaching series beyond the faint heart eight ways to move beyond discouragement the call away from weariness away from a discouraged life becomes vital to strong faith consider this story for years william wilberforce pushed britain's parliament to abolish slavery discouraged he was about to give up his elderly friend john wesley Heard of this discouragement, and from his own deathbed, Wesley called for pen and paper. And with a trembling hand, Wesley wrote these words to William Wilberforce. Unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But if God be for you, who can be against you? Are all of them stronger than God? Oh, be not weary of well-doing. Go on in the name of God and in the power of his might till even American slavery shall vanish away before it. Wesley died six days later, but Wilberforce fought for 45 more years. And in 1833, three days before his own death, he saw slavery abolished in Britain. Even the great ones like Wilberforce needed that encouragement to push beyond a faint heart of weariness. And so do you, and I do as well. So let's find relief from our weariness of the soul. Hear the message of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Verse 16 through 18, as we enter into part eight of overcoming discouragement by having eyes of faith. Let's let's read 2 Corinthians chapter four, verse 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. Verse 17. Therefore, our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. Verse 18. So we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So today, dear friend, we do not fix our eyes on what is seen, but what is unseen. Now, within a message about avoiding the faint heart discouragement, the Bible describes the follower of Jesus as one who avoids discouragement by focusing on what is unseen. Uh, the thrust of the original language we just read describes Thus, creating the standard. This becomes the description of the one who follows Jesus and of the one who lives by faith. We look more at what is unseen than what is seen. This describes us. In a day when seemingly every direction of communication, every news feed, and every conversation offers negative overtones of uncertainty and angst, how desperately we need to be reminded to look more at what is unseen the eyes of faith, than what is seen. Uh, The theme of 2 Corinthians 4, therefore we do not give up, functions in tandem with chapter 3 and emphasizes the, the narrative backdrop of Paul's own human context, his own potential discouragements. So today, hear Paul's words afresh and anew, we do not lose heart. From the Greek terminology, we do not become affected By a weary soul. We do not give up. We do not grow discouraged. And in in Paul's conclusion of of chapter 4, verse 18. uh, Overcoming discouragement, avoiding the faint heart becomes possible. We read it here. As we fix our eyes. Not on what is seen. But what is unseen. So from the closing verses of 2 Corinthians 4. Uh, we will pay attention to, to the seen, both generally and specifically, those encounters in life at which we sadly spend much of our focus. But we will pay attention to the unseen, both generally and specifically, those amazing facts of the Christian life to which we should keep our focus. So first, join me in considering what is seen as the verses emphasize both the general and the specifics of what is seen in our lives. Consider first, uh, in a general sense, the things that are seen. The things seen are those circumstances of this present life and the whole of this fallen world. Uh, the Bible describes a disparity Between God and this world, Uh, this does not reference uh, the created order for God saw all that he made and it was very good, meaning acceptable by God's standard. But in the Bible, the world translated from the Greek word cosmos represents an ordered system. And in this case, an ordered system of fallen man, a man centered system that is most certainly fallen uh, in the spiritual sense. So the, the general idea of what is seen represents a transitory issue. The Bible instructs, do not love the world nor anything in the world. And that's 1 John 2.15. The indication of the world points to that which has become ordered as a system by the fallenness and brokenness of man because of sin. In such brokenness, the world system first represents what is transitory. So consider the world as transitory. Uh, Most of humankind, uh, in the words of that beloved Scottish Baptist minister, Alexander McLaren, uh, here is quote, Most of mankind care for and are occupied by and regard as really solid good those goods which can be touched and enjoyed by the senses. This involves the the whole of the visible world with all of the circumstances and relations combined, and they are transitory. They fade away. The world system also represents a moral issue, a moral dilemma, if you will. So the world is not just transitory, but the world has a moral issue. Men, money, honor, and pleasure are some of the general worldly vices that make man unfit for the kingdom of God, Uh, consider the three idols of the system of the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. They can adequately summarize the things seen. 1 John 2.16 announces this very thing. Everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The lust of the flesh represents our propensity to resist God and to desire our own sinful way. The lust of the eyes represents that which becomes visually appealing, materialistic, and sensual. The pride of life represents arrogance and self-preservation, our selfish pursuits. Such a focus on the world system produces a moral impairment, the loss of, of a desire for what is right in God's eyes. Therefore, generally speaking, both the transitory and the moral becomes the issue of one who fixates upon the scene. The scene in the sense of looking at the things of the world becomes an enemy to faith, to living by uh, what is seen directly opposes what is unseen. And that's the general summary of of what is seen. Now let's look at uh, at this idea of what is seen in a specific sense. What is seen references what uh, could actually be seen as uh, as our own personal pains and and our own sorrows. Uh, these could be stated as our own trials. What is seen references that which could actually uh, be uh, be those momentary light afflictions they become light and momentary but when we look at them with a hard focus they become our reality specifically what is seen references Our afflictions and trials for Paul, things seem likely reference the particularisms of his own human context, his challenges, and the, the opposition that came against him from the Corinthian opponents who attempted to deny his leadership and discredit his apostleship. So if we look directly into our trials as the greater reality, we then become affected And directed by them. Our specific fixations on the scene can most certainly oppose faith. When we think only of such things, they will feel heavy and long and difficult to bear. When we walk by sight, we fail. And what was meant to be light and momentary becomes the ultimate Reality it's so dangerous to focus on what is seen. Philip Yancey, in his book "Seeing the the Wonder and the Beauty of God," Philip Yancey writes this, and I and I love this quote, and I'd like to share it with you. He stated. Uh, That every animal on earth has a set of correspondences with the environment around it. Some of those correspondences far exceed ours. Bats detect insects by sonar. Pigeons navigate by magnetic fields. And bloodhounds perceive a world of smell unavailable to the the human senses. Uh, Yes, he continues. Perhaps the spiritual or the unseen world requires an inbuilt set of correspondences activated only through some sort of spiritual quickening. No one can see the kingdom of God, Jesus said, without being born from above. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God for their foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they're spiritually discerned, so wrote Paul. Both expressions point to a different level Of correspondence available only to a person spiritually alive, end quote from Philippiansi. To this, we were designed to perceive spiritually, to see with eyes of faith. So we now focus on the emphasis of the unseen and our way of overcoming discouragement. We have that inbuilt correspondence, the Holy Spirit, which ties us to the truth of Christ. Faith is required. And this faith can only come through God's grace made known in Jesus. So, second, consider what is unseen, both generally and specifically, as the text emphasizes both. What is unseen in a general sense and in a specific sense? First, consider consider the general observation of, of the unseen, as we read right here from the scripture. Generally speaking, the things unseen represent... The, the all-encompassing realities of the Christian faith. The, the eyes of faith become apparent as the eternal becomes the focus. Now I love the the message of Ephesians 1 18 where Paul wrote I pray, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be open. Paul prayed this because Having the proper perspective, eyes of faith, can define the difference between panic and peace, defeat and victory, confusion and clarity. In this general sense, consider a real life example from the Old Testament. Because generally speaking, the unseen references the reality of our Christian faith and, and references the, the eyes of our heart, the, the unseen. And consider Consider an example from the Old Testament. The prophet Elijah understood this. Uh, let me uh, read to you an excerpt from Second Kings chapter six, verse fifteen through seventeen. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who who are with them. And then Elisha prayed. Something that sounded very similar to Paul's prayer in Ephesians. Open his eyes Lord. That he may see. And then the Lord opened the eyes. Of the servant. And he looked and he saw the hills. Full of horses and chariots of fire. All around Elisha. Here in this story from 2nd Kings. Elisha was able to see that which his servant was unable to see through uh, though unseen to the naked eyes, but yet existing. This illustrates the truth that there is a reality behind the reality. And while we may not ever see exactly what Elijah saw, we can be sure that there is so much more to see and know about our present circumstance and the Lord's sovereignty over the present. If we will allow him to open the eyes of our heart our understanding so we are called to focus upon the unseen uh, upon the eternal and that references the general sense but now to the specific sense of the unseen the statement of verse 18 which is pivotal in understanding the entire chapter of second corinthians 4 uh, the statement of verse 18 references the condition of what has been stated in the previous verses the previous verses describe the unseen. We, we focus on the unseen. So what are, what are the unseen specifics from the previous verses? I'm glad you ask. So let's look at this. The the unseen represents the now. That which God is doing in your life right now, your life is being renewed, according to verse 16, day by day in this present moment. This renewal opposes The process of wasting away. You're renewed. There exists here no mere optimism, but the actual reference to our salvation. We are being renewed day by day. Renewal here in verse 16 represents the completion of a process. Now, moving into the the Greek language just a bit, the word for renewed, anakano, is a compound word. Ani meaning of and kano meaning to complete a process. This expresses to be made new by being moved to a higher place. This is used of God renewing the old man through Jesus Christ. We are being renewed and brought nearer and nearer to our heavenly reality. The unseen is referenced in the now. But secondly, from verse 17, the unseen represents that which is to come. The focus of the unseen emphasizes, right here in verse 17, the eternal weight of glory. Contrasting the outward and the inner man, the the weight of glory completely overturns what sometimes feels like our heavy afflictions. Uh, This whole idea is understood in terms of duration. The heavenly glory of being with God obviously stands forever in our afflictions only a moment in time. Our afflictions are light in comparison to the duration, the weightiness uh, of the eternal glory of our heavenly reality. It's heavy by its weightiness compared to the momentary afflictions. The afflictions are light and momentary, not because they're nothing in, our, in their essence, but but they're nothing in their impact on us. Compare to the weightiness of God's glory, when we move from the seen to the unseen, we most assuredly will not faint, and we will not fall to discouragement. Remembering that actual Greek term do not faint as it represents the identity and status of the present. We have found our standard, the norm, and the expected path of faith for all. We're not exhausted. We're not despondent, nor are we disheartened. We are sustained, encouraged, and emboldened by having such an object in view through the eyes of faith, our eternity. This indeed does demonstrate eyes of faith. So I ask you this, to to what are you looking at the most? God's plan for you does not include a life lived in discouragement. That's not his plan. Although our lives are brought low by sufferings, we are being made new for all eternity. Our focus becomes the greater reality of our heavenly home, our eternity forever. A secular writer once discovered her son's prayer life. In an article in the New York Times Magazine, writer Dana Tierney described how both she and her husband, John, had rejected their own childhood faith. They had had their son, Luke, baptized to placate their families, but that was it. When Dana's husband was sent to Iraq as an embedded reporter, she was understandably very fearful, but she was surprised at how calm her four-year-old Luke was. She assumed that it was just youthful naivete until one day when they were watching a TV interview with a U.S. soldier who was sharing his fears about returning to Iraq. For just an instant, Dana saw Luke form his hands to pray. When she asked him about it, Luke at first denied it. But then after she asked a second time, he said that he indeed had been praying. Dana was stunned. She was done partly by Luke's faith and and partly by how uh, his faith had had allowed him to become calm and how her lack of faith had caused her to be fearful. When Dana asked her four-year-old Luke, when he first began to believe in God, he said, I don't know. I, I just know he's there, that he's always existed. And throughout the remainder of the article, Dana never patronized believers. At one point, she described how many of her non-religious friends felt freed from religion as they had been liberated from any supposed superstition. Dana said she feels like she's missing out. And she explained, my, my religious friends have an expansive spirit. When they walk along a the stream, they don't just see water falling over rocks. The sight fills them with ecstasy. They see a realm of hope. Beyond this world, I just see a babbling brook. <laughs> and then she concludes, I just don't get the message. Wow, a four-year-old got the message. <laughs> Her friends got the message, but she could not. And She admittedly wrote about this in an article. So I ask you this, are you stuck? Are you jaded by the negative all around you? That you're actually living by what you see? Do you just see a babbling brook? Do you see the negative or do you get the message? Do you truly live by faith, living by the unseen and in doing so, overcoming discouragement like never before? As we conclude this teaching series, I want to give you three very simple conclusions about your present moment of discouragement. First, God's plan for you does not Include discouragement. We know that's already been said. The reason we look past what is seen to what is unseen through eyes of faith is to discover what God's plan has for us. Discouragement that can only come from what is seen is not a part of God's plan. God's plan for you does not include discouragement. You'll never be discouraged by the unseen through eyes of faith. You'll always be discouraged by what you can see. God's plan for you does not include discouragement. A second conclusion, through faith in Jesus, you can see all things through eyes of faith. You can be like that writer's four-year-old son, Luke. She, a well-educated secular writer, could not see by faith. Only through faith in Jesus can we see all things through faith. Eyes of faith. Paul prayed, oh, that the the eyes of your heart would be open. Do you truly know Jesus Christ? You'll never overcome discouragement until you nail down that fact. That you know him, that you've trusted him for your life, that you've received his gift of forgiveness and cleansing for our sins, that you've admitted, I need a Savior, I need Jesus. Through faith in Jesus, you can see all things through eyes of faith. And then a final conclusion. With eyes of faith, moving beyond discouragement is guaranteed. Without a doubt, without hesitancy, I'll leave you at the conclusion of this teaching series with that one thought. With eyes of faith, that can only come through your faith in Jesus Christ. Moving beyond discouragement is absolutely, according to the scriptures, guaranteed. Paul said we do not faint. We do not grow weary. Again, in the tense of the Greek, Paul was stating a description, a fact. We we do not faint. We we do not focus on on what is seen, the temporary. We focus on what is unseen, the eternal. So with eyes of faith, you will move beyond discouragement. It's a guarantee. So where have you been looking at the most? At the scene, at at the circumstances around you? Or are you looking with your eyes of faith to Jesus Christ? With eyes of faith, moving beyond the faint heart is a guarantee. And I pray that reality is yours at this time. If not, would you hear these words from the scripture? The Bible actually proclaims very simply and clearly if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. First, so with the mouth, man confesses, resulting in salvation what he believes resulting in an understanding and forgiveness that Jesus brings do you know Jesus Christ have you placed your faith in him I pray that if you haven't that you can offer a prayer like this dear Jesus I believe in you I, I know that you died on the cross for my sin and I I give my life to you now I trust you and I receive by faith your your death on the cross and and your forgiveness for my sin would you take my life you can pray a prayer that clear and that simple and that meaningful. He'll hear your prayer. He'll forgive you of your sins. He'll bring you to himself. Oh, I pray that you know Jesus. If you're a person of faith, if you know Jesus Christ, and yet discouragement seems to always have the upper hand, would you would you just confess that to God right now? He loves you. He cares for you. Would you just confess, God, I, I'm looking too much at the scene help me to focus on the unseen with eyes of faith? Well, I tell you, there's no greater way, there's no other way, there's no possible way to move beyond discouragement than than through trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and then living by faith in Him every moment of every day. There is joy, there's joy, not drudgery, there's joy in living by faith, because our eyes are off that which discourages and our eyes are on the one who alone brings eternal life. Thank you for being a part of today's uh, time of worship. Thank you for being a part of this teaching series. Let's move beyond discouragement as we live with eyes of faith in Jesus Christ. I'd love to pray with you. Father God, thank you for your love for us. For those who've never trusted you as Lord and as Savior, for those who know you but have, have allowed their faith to grow weak, uh, looking too much at the discouragement father lead us to where you desire us to be thank you for hearing us and our prayer thank you for teaching us through your word and god may our lives truly grow in faith as we trust you and trust your son jesus christ for all things in life thank you father god for your love and thank you for touching our lives today through your truth we uh, offer this prayer in jesus name and together we said amen Hey, a lot to process, a lot to embrace. But if you need to talk to someone about what it means to know Jesus, there is a website location on the screen right now. Use that. Reach out to us. We'll be back in touch with you. We'd love to have a conversation with you about how to move powerfully beyond discouragement as you trust in Jesus. Thank you for joining us. Love you a lot. See you soon. God bless. <laughs>